The following content is not suitable for children. We're going to talk about some mailbag questions today. We've got quite a few, so listen in. Yeehaw! Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. How was your Father's Day? Pretty good. Nice little uh, family hike together. Oh, that's nice. That sounds fun. Until the kids start complaining, it's too hot, I don't want to walk any further. Exactly. Wife wants to keep walking further. Then we have a little fight in the trails as a family. A lot of fun (laughs) on Father's Day. That sounds incredibly normal. All right. My sons actually made dinner for my husband and invited us over, so it was very fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. When they grow up, that's a good thing. So we've got a question here from, actually it's a comment, George, about some of the things that we talked about on our Black Lives Matter episode. And I I just thought since we're going to post this right away, it was important to have him speak about it. And he says, I'm a loyal listener. I've listened to all your podcasts, even before George came on as a second host. Actually, George, you're my third host. But I am also an African-American man. I should comment on that. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I'm also an African-American male, 49 years old. I'm currently listening to your 61120 episode on race. What caught my attention was George's position on writing. As a therapist, I would have expected you to apply the same compassion to the looters as to the four police officers. If I remember correctly, you had a personal relationship with public servants. Yes, George was a police officer and a fireman. You seem to understand the reasons for turning off your emotions. Apply the same emotional framework to a demographic with a history of being treated less than human. Think of the number of peaceful protests and the history of requests for change specifically African-Americans, have done for the last 400 years. It's not just the 17-year-old kid that feels like enough is enough. Watch Trevor Noah's YouTube video. Any of you who don't know who that is, he's great. He's on YouTube. So I, I thought, you know, this is an important conversation and that we should talk a little bit about it. Absolutely. I First thing I want to start off with is just appreciating how important it is to get feedback. Mm -hmm. That's how we all continue to grow. And I think our listeners' comment is is really fair. And as a therapist, I always start off with, I love the Irish saying, everybody focuses on the drinking and not the thirst. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it about these kind of behaviors that might not be working What's underneath that that's kind of driving that? Mm-hmm. You know, we do this all the time, family therapy. Why is a kid acting out in, in, a, in a couple relationship? What's going on? Why are people heading in these different directions? It's never that simple, right? There usually are some good reasons. It doesn't mean they're not cause for these behaviors, Yeah. right? So, I mean, I think when there's systemic injustice, right, in, and you feel like, there's no logic to the craziness that is oppressing you. Acting out and being really enraged, I mean, sometimes is, 
it, it's understandable. I, I thought about our own American history, the Boston Tea Party, you know, that, that was destruction of tea merchants and, you know, hurt those tea merchants. And, I mean, it was, it was really a, a plan to draw attention to the injustices of the taxes. Sometimes it makes sense. I certainly have been in blind rages myself occasionally when when the system doesn't seem to listen, whatever system it is, family or right now my board. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you just, you can be so enraged that sometimes you want to draw attention to the craziness of what you're living with. Absolutely. And that's why we all got to do our work and we got to have conversations where People can kind of challenge us on our blind spots, Mm -hmm. right? That I need to work with people who can't see the value in looting, right? Mm -hmm. It it goes against all their values. Mm -hmm. But certainly if I was sitting with a a black American who was part of the looting, you know, as as Trevor Noah talks about, they don't want to engage in this social contract because it's not treating them too fairly, Right. Especially when the police officers who are in charge are breaking the rules. Why follow the rules then? You know, that, that mindset that says, I just, I don't want to be a part of this system. And that's a way of expressing that. So yeah. there's an I, insanity about the rules because, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's an important, like, I don't think about too often. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my black colleagues and, I never really think about not feeling safe. For the most part, I always feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, some of the privilege that we, I just assume most people have. And that's unfortunately not accurate. Right? And how do, we, how do we recognize other people's burdens that they carry? And how do we do our, our, our work to help with that? Right? Because if we don't do anything, if we don't have these conversations, we are being complicit in a system that you know, mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't recognize the negative impact on others. Absolutely. I agree. I, I, you know, have a smidge of understanding as a female, just throughout my work career, I wasn't always a therapist, but, you know, being underpaid really because I was female. And I mean, I understand that there's, and I don't feel safe often as a woman, just walking out to my parking lot, things like that. But I can't imagine and what it's like to be driving along the road and pulled over really just because you're black. You know, that, that just, that's, there's a craziness there. I, I sent a message to one of my black friends. It's like, be careful. Be really, really careful. I mean, it's just like the anger and the hatred that is now so apparent. It, makes, it feels to me like it makes it more dangerous for them. Right, and, and this feels very similar to conversations around sex, racial conversations. People are almost set up to, to have failure around it, mm-hmm. right? It's like if I'm black and I want to have this conversation, I'm going to have some anger mm-hmm. that's just built into, hey, you know, I need to speak up, otherwise no one's going to hear me, and I shouldn't be the one having to speak up. People should be trying to engage me in these conversations. Right. So they're already building an unfair position and starting the conversation. But then if you're a white person listening who, you know, is just trying to live your life and is a good person and, you know, is not explicit with any of these acts, it's hard to not get defensive when somebody's coming at you with kind of this angry tone and using words that, 
you don't you haven't done your work with so you don't understand mm-hmm. white supremacy or privilege or systemic racism and you know these these words just elicit I, I don't want to get into an argument so I don't want to engage and then that creates the same distance that we're seeing in so many couples so mm-hmm. absolutely well thank you for writing in um, yes. we appreciate it we appreciate an ongoing conversation with those of you who are listening thanks and uh, with these ongoing conversations I mean I think the mission of our podcast is to get people to have success in difficult conversations so so many people don't want to have these sexual conversations and we know where that leads why would it be any different with race so yes please keep these comments coming in it's it, it really is how we keep stretching and growing and, and finding deeper connection right so I have another question, G, and it's from a woman who is a 49-year-old virgin. Uh, she said, I chose to stay a virgin until married for religious reasons, and I have yet to marry. So that's the story. I've dated several men in my life, and I don't feel like any of them got away. More like I dodged the bullet. Ha ha. Uh, anyway, my question is related to this. Back when I was younger, I was insanely horny. Now that I'm older and probably matured, not so much. So I've been dating a great guy for the last three years. He's very attractive and super sweet, and I like being affectionate, but no sparks. This has him concerned, and me too. He can tell. So I'm worried that I've waited too long, and maybe now I'm menopausal and lost my mojo. Mm. Or is it I just don't feel chemistry for him? How do I know? We seem very compatible in almost every way. Besides this, you got any thoughts, Oof. George? It's a it's a million dollar question, right? How do you how do you get the mojo back? How do you get the sparks flying? <laughs> I mean, I think it's really healthy that that they've obviously had a conversation around that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would be curious. Let's get into the details. You know, what does kissing look like between them? What's what's before they even start anything romantic? I mean, is there just this kind of friendship and easiness or there's there's there kind of some flirting and some mis- mystery or mischievous actions, like mm-hmm. just trying to get a, a sense of the overall dynamics. I think so often we're rushing right into the act itself and you know, here she is a virgin. So, you know, that, that foreplay is going to be hugely important. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, and I think because of her commitment and her age, obviously there's had to have been quite a bit of shutoff in her, right? And I did actually correspond a little bit more with her, and I think that there is some anxiety too in that shutoff. So first I would want to know, you know, how, how much sex are they doing? You know, she's still a virgin, so they're not having intercourse. Does she allow any sexual contact at all? Or is it just kissing? Is there anything that she allows to arouse herself? But I think it's an important question, right? If you don't feel sparks before you marry, how can you kind of be assured that sex will be good? So let's come back and talk a little bit more about this 49-year-old virgin after the break. George, successandvulnerability.com, your new training site. You have a new module. Yes, so excited about this, Lori. Module two, working with secondary emotion, anger, withdrawal, protection, and blocks the way people really, for good reasons, 
put up these detours in session. And, and most of the time it throws therapists off and, and therapists start to feel like they're failing and get really frustrated, judgmental, problem solve. And they miss the beautiful opportunity to these blocks to really pivot and become flexible. And really it's the process telling us where we need to go. We just need to learn how to embrace these blocks. So I'm so excited about this module. So please therapists listening, you want to get better at your craft, sign up and join us. George's new module in successandvulnerability.com. Check it out. Talking about secondary emotions and blocks. Boone, North Carolina, August 28th, 29th, and 30th. A weekend up in the mountains to talk about sex. Do we get any better than that, Laurie? <laughs> this is for therapists. It's yes. not for couples yet. Although we are kind of in our mind's eye thinking about how we can help our couples who are listening in a more intense way with a retreat. But this is a class that we're doing for therapists. So if you would like to check out George or my site or Foreplay Radio, we will direct you to that training in Boone, North Carolina in August. Come join us. I'm doing a Patreon Live on July 10th, Friday night, and I'm pushing it back because I think a lot of people could not join our first one. This is going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those who are our patrons, please come and join me. Welcome back. Let's follow up. I mean, again, this question of no sparks. I guess I, I want to have a two-part process. Okay. I want to figure out well, when she was younger and she was horny, what mm -hmm. did turn her on? Yeah. Right. What were what, what those question. things, right? If she can tap into that and then discover that with her partner now, then I think we could start heading down that healthy road, right? Mm -hmm. But if she could identify those things and she can't have it with her partner now because there's no chemistry, then that, I think, means something different. Yeah, I, I really think that there's an internal shutdown that needs to, she needs to be awakened. She's never had sex. She's potentially never had orgasm. I don't know. I, I do know from my own experience once this guy became my first boyfriend and I really did not think he was attractive. I just wasn't that attracted to him. He kissed me and boom, it was all over. I thought he was really attractive. I mean, so she does think this guy is attractive, but she doesn't let herself go very far with him. So, you know, if you don't let your body become aroused, if that's cut off, then how, how are the sparks going to fly? You know, how do you, how do you let that happen? I, I just, I, I kind of believe that sex is something that can grow, that it doesn't have to start from a hot point. I mean, millions of years, right? People got married, had sex didn't even know each other. It was arranged marriages and they became sexual and had enough chemistry or at least connection sexually to, you know, continue the human race. So, I mean, it doesn't have to always start with, you know, wow, you're just so awesome and I'm so attracted to you. I, I think, I think I need to know more about, like you said, maybe what, what has she thought about that makes her horny and filled with desire and, and how far are they going? You know, does she ever get aroused? This, there's a rigidity, right? I mean, when we're really rigid like this, 49 years old and never done it, that rigidity is protective of us for some reason. And so I, I think of that as an issue that needs to be overcome more than this guy is not the right guy. Look at you're 49 years old. You need a partner you're attracted to him. He's 
you know, he's attractive and you get along. I, I just can't imagine this can't work out. Well, let me play a little devil's advocate Okay, here. go ahead. I mean, I think that she's staying true to her values for so long shows how important this is, right? And I, I think what she's looking for with the mojo and the sparks is pretty cool. I mean, she's got a, a definition of healthy sex that that seems big, right? The she's looking for high quality in the sex. And I just think that she's having this conversation. She's waited so long. You know, this is a really important thing. I totally agree with trying to understand what turns her on more and just knowing if this guy can do that while also making room for the possibility that there isn't chemistry. For whatever reason, he's good-looking and a nice guy and all those great things, but sometimes if the chemistry is not there, right, and you're working hard to find that chemistry, and I think if she does that work and she explores what turns her on and she's doing all the things she needs to do in this relationship, but yet there still isn't those sparks, then that's also okay to look for someone else. She's been with him for three years, though, George. Well, again, both of them are going to deserve a healthy sex life. Absolutely. And if they're doing all this work and they can't find it, what are you going to do? Chain them to each other for the rest of uh, their lives? <laughs> yes. With poor quality sex? <laughs> no. I, I think there's, it's not, if he can do it for her, though. I think it's, can she allow him to do it for her? I mean, can she let go in some way that she can let him in figuratively and truly? Well, this is the dynamics. Is he also so gun shy and cautious that he's not, I mean, this isn't her problem solely, right? right? They're in a relationship together and there's obviously something he's really concerned. I also want to know how that concerns impacted him. Mm -hmm. How is he showing up with his sexual energies? Mm -hmm. right? What are the breaks that are really stopping him from, from being? True. Very true. A lot of times, I, you know, we see vaginismus patients. That's a woman who, she literally can't be penetrated. And oftentimes the man is really understanding about that. You know, and this is slightly different than a faith reason, but he never pushes her. But the problem is often that his sexual aggression, for lack of a better word, and it's not a good word, is low. And then once we get her healed, it's like he has ED or, I mean, he has a lot of internal conflict inside about coming forward sexually too. It, it doesn't look like on the surface, you know, it looks like it's her problem, but... It's their problem. So uh, that's a good point. I appreciate that. Okay, shall we do take one more? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, hi, Lori and George. I love you guys and listen to your podcast all the time. Yay. I never miss. Oh, that's nice. My issue is two years ago, I found many appropriate, inappropriate texts between my husband and a coworker. While they never met outside of work and were never physical, the texts alone were an affair. Two years later, I can still cry about the pain that is still so very real. My problem is that since then, I cannot have an orgasm with him. In fact, I've lost all desire for him completely. I used to love his body and couldn't get enough of him, but now I'd rather that he not touch me. I'm able to reach orgasm by myself, so I know I'm not broken. I just cannot get past what he did. I'm not sure 
if it's because they still work together and I can't help but think it's really her he wants and not me, will this ever go away? Anyway, not sure how much longer I can have sex with him when I would really rather not. Any suggestions would be really appreciated. Thank you. Oh, so painful. My gosh. I mean, this is an unresolved issue between the two of them, right? And her body is saying, I can't give myself to you. I can't let go with you because I'm angry at you. (laughs) I'm hurt by you. I think big fans of listening to your body. And if your body's saying stop, then you probably should stop. Because you're right, this is not resolved. Even as she says, I I sit back, I think he still wants her and not me. It's Mm -hmm. hard to give yourself and let your body go when when there's a threat response Mm -hmm. inside your body. Absolutely. So how how does this couple get that help to really not just say I'm sorry and it's over and stop the actions, but to actually repair the hurt that happened with those actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this they have to go and get therapy, right? They haven't been able to work it out for two years. They haven't been able to talk about this. I, my sense is, you know, they need help to work it through. And, I, I mean, I would say I think it can be worked through. You know, so many people have affairs and they actually end up with marriages that are stronger, you know, and they find find more out about each other. It's impossible, I think, on the front side of that to believe that because you're just in so much pain. But the reality is many people do work this out. And, you know, she says they never touched. They were never physical. You know, it it doesn't really matter. I mean, one of the things I've learned as a therapist, it, it doesn't matter what actually happened. It's the betrayal of your partner choosing somebody else. Uh, of somehow or another prioritizing somebody else or that fantasy, that love, that relationship over you. It doesn't matter if they kissed or not kissed or had sex or not had sex. People always say, you know, if only they hadn't kissed or if only they hadn't had sex or if only they hadn't had sex twice. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. Once that line is crossed, there's so much pain. Right. That's the new normal. How does that couple create a new story post-affair? not try to return to life before the affair happened. Mm -hmm. She's saying we had a great sex life. It was easy. Well, she's never going to be that same person again. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times what's so hurtful is that the affair reveals parts of your partner that you didn't realize. You see it playing out with the other person. And maybe Mm -hmm. it was his energy in the text and just the kind of way he was playful. And he was doing things that he didn't do with her. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for your nervous system to say, what happened? Why did that come out with his other person and not with me? And it changes the game. The landscape is no longer the same. So how do we facilitate that healing that really understands how these parts came out and how those parts can come out in the relationship, right, in the marriage? Otherwise, it continues to be a threat, Mm -hmm. even though the actions have stopped. You know, there's part of her that's recognizing, wait a second, I don't see that with me, that Mm -hmm. part of him that was showing up there. Right. Does he still, would he rather have that if he didn't have the kids and everything else, the family and the trappings? Would he rather still have that? And that has not been addressed. Mm-hmm. And I think the difficulty here is this man works with this woman still. Mm, you know, she's, right. she's facing this on a daily Oof. basis when he goes off to work. Right? Yes. Still sees her, still may have to work with her. And 
man, this is so tough in our modern world. Sometimes people do change jobs, can change jobs, but other times you have to find another way to make peace with this if the person is going to be involved in your life. It's, it's really rough. It is rough. And if she could have confidence that who he is around that other lady shows up to her, it's a lot easier to trust that he's not going to look elsewhere, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. those are those difficult conversations to head into the details of the affair and what came online. And I know some of that might be hurtful, but the alternative is to never know and be left alone to, with your own imagination trying to figure it out, which is never really a safe place to be, especially when your partner is still working with the other person. Mm-hmm. And what, a, what a terrible circumstance. Yeah. I think it, I think it's possible to work this out, though. So please, oh, yeah. um, please get the help that you need. Maybe a third party, a therapist, to help you negotiate this. It and honor be. the good reasons your body doesn't want to have sex. Yeah, it's actually quite wise, and we appreciate your courage for sharing that. Right? Yeah. You didn't ask for this to happen. This was not your fault. Mm-hmm. And your your body's communicating that things have to change a bit, and we really want to listen to what it's saying. Yeah, great. Thanks for listening, y'all. Keep it hot. And P.S., please tune in to our Patreon page so that you can catch the next exclusive episode and our next Facebook Live. We appreciate you joining us to spread this really important message. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.